evening, ladies. Uh, my name is Marie Ponder, and I want to welcome you to 70 Palms. Um, if you can please stand um, with us, I am going to be reading the word here. If I can get it open and not try to drop the mic at the same time. <laughs> so we'll be reading um, Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you so much for this night, God. We thank you for your word and giving us this opportunity to be together. Um, we just praise you that we have all, this, all these women here. We ask that you just fill us with your spirit, God. Open up our hearts and our minds to what you need to tell us. Um, we are going to praise you tonight, Lord, to give us the heart of worship. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's lift our voices here in Germantown and Afton campus.
Of worship. 
to so many palms. Everybody, you can take a seat if you're still standing. We are so glad to have you here today on our second to last 70 palms of the season. And I say second to last because I want to remind you that next month, May 10th, it's a Tuesday night, surprise, surprise, we will be meeting for our last 70 palms of the season. Are we sad? Yes. yes, we are sad. But, good news, we have one left, and you can invite friends, come back, the person who sat with me the first time, you haven't seen them since, like give them a hard time, like come back next month, it's May, hopefully the weather's better. Yes, because this rain is not good. Although it did snow on May 10th like two years ago. It's not going to snow, it's going to be summer. Yeah, we'll take bets, yeah. I'm kidding, we don't bet. No. Okay, also we have a few things that we want to put on your radar. Instagram. Who has Instagram? Raise your hand. Not that many. So, half of you need to download it. I'm joking. But if you have Instagram and you do not follow us at 70 Palms, we secured the handle 70 Palms. It's right there. Um, follow us on there. We will keep you updated on everything. Yes. Also, um, if you haven't downloaded it yet, you can go on Spotify or Apple Music and you can download the Canopy and you can listen to all the past. Um, lovely conversations that we have, plus some additional ones. Um, it's great to listen. We got YouTube, so you can like, comment, subscribe, share it everywhere you social media. Some of you don't have social media, and you're like, can you move on? No, I will not. So, um, YouTube. You can watch all of our past services, right? All of them? Yeah. Well, from this season. Um, and then we may have some, like, announcements on there, so whenever you subscribe, you will get notified when we have a new video up. So... Subscribe. Um, and also, what's your favorite thing about 70 Palms? The merchandise. The merchandise. Give it up for merchandise, everybody. Yes, yes, we got some 70 Palms merch on display. What's special about tonight? Um, it's 25% off. We love a good coupon. Absolutely. Yes. And it's next month, too. So if you can't buy anything this month or you want to buy it two months in a row, I dare you to go out there and shop like it's Black Friday. Yes. <laughs> we will not be here at 4 a.m. though. No. no so no. Shop like it's Black Friday, but Black Friday starts Thursday night at yes. 7. Luckily yes. we're here at 7. And so Six you can do that. if you come early and you can find someone to check you out. Yes. Is enough. So you walk past it on your way in. You'll walk past it on your way out. Be tempted. Give in. This yes. is the one time I'm saying give in to temptation if you're a brochure. Yes. Buy so many palms. Merchandise. Absolutely. So there's also like tumblers. You can be taking it all summer when you're all sad. We don't have 70 yes. palms anymore. And you're like, oh, I'm so sad. And then you'll have your tumbler and people. And yeah. there's a tote bag. What's you 70 can palms? To the beach with your tumbler yes. and your sweater. Yes. Sounds good to me. I don't know if I would bring a sweater to the beach. I guess in Wisconsin. Okay, we'll move on. Wisconsin. <laughs> yes. So like, comment, subscribe, YouTube, listen to the canopy. We'll see you back next month, but after tonight, obviously. Where Amanda will be speaking next month. Yeah, so. so we're so glad you're here. We hope you enjoy the rest of your night at 70 Palms. And we are gonna pass this over to Miss Tammy. Absolutely. Thanks, cute girls. I was beginning to think I was gonna have to like cut them off. Like, cute little conversation there. Oh, okay. We have some um, utilities up here. Okay. I'm going to move them over here. So our speaker has a clear podium tonight. So I get the privilege and honor of introducing our speaker at this gathering. And I have known her since I was thinking back 
since she was probably around 13, 14. Is that about right, probably? Whew, that's really dating me. Um, I remember her as a high schooler for sure, and she has grown up in this church. She is just a dynamic woman of God. I am honored and blessed to say that I have seen her grow and her develop and her become this amazing leader. You might see her um, running around doing life kids or life church youth and helping there and leading and directing and guiding. Um, I remember when she came to LLC and made that decision to come to LLC and she had opportunities to go any where she wanted to go. She was just so smart and she knew that God had called her to LLC. She has graduated, she is married, and she is now the director of, what is it called? Family Focus? Next Gen. Next Gen, that's it. I only work here, people. You know, I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what to do. But anyway, so without further ado, would you please welcome to the stage for the first time at 70 Palms, Analia Fields Seabock. Welcome to 70 Palms, everyone. We are so excited and delighted that you are joining us here tonight. Maybe you've been with us since the start. Maybe this is your first time. But regardless, we're so grateful and thankful that you're in this room. Before we start, can we just thank Miss Tammy and the women that put this on each and every week for us? Show them some appreciation. I just want to say personally to all of you, as Miss Tammy said, typically on Sundays I'm running around with some baby or some child or some teenager. So for me, just personally, 70 Palms is like such a deep breath. It's a moment to come, to find rest, to worship God, and to hear an encouraging message. And so I just want to thank you for providing that just for me. And I know there's probably so many women in here that have the same story. So thank you. Um, thank you. If you've been with us since the fall, we are in a series that we have titled More. And I love this because... Our culture, our world today, they're always craving more, but so often it's more of things that will leave us feeling dead inside. So we've come here every single month talking about more of the things that will give us life. Things like more purity, things like more worship, things like more mentorship. And tonight I hope to leave you feeling a sense of more of something that will give you fruitfulness in your life. Tonight I am talking on the topic of more action. More action. Now I want everyone to take a deep breath. As a woman, there is no way I'm going to pressure you or make you feel like you need to add more to your schedules tonight. So just want to clear that off the table. Um, but if you're taking notes tonight, actually, instead of titling it more action, title it more godly action. More godly action. Um, for me, is anyone in here a personality test nerd like I am? Anyone in here? Yes. Myers-Briggs, DISC, Finders, you name it. I've geeked out about it. I love it. One of my favorites is called the Enneagram test. There's nine different numbers, and within that, there is a description in, of the kind of person that would relate to that type. I type as an Enneagram type three. They say you find your type when you read the description and you literally feel like so vulnerable and exposed and a little naked because it kind of reads into your soul. So when I started learning about this test, I wanted to be any other type but the three. I wanted to be like the peacemaker, just bring peace to everyone around me. I wanted to be the helper, the helpful one. But no, I was a three. And the threes are described, just a couple words to describe the three. Threes can be, I feel so vulnerable right now, this is fine. Threes can be overly concerned with their image and what others think of them. 
They might have a little problem with workaholism and competitiveness. Some of us played volleyball today. I was in my zone. If you haven't played volleyball, it's fun. Um, and threes, a lot of times, can be highly driven for advancement. And I say all those things to say that I, my whole life, has always been someone who has strived for action. But my biggest struggle, one of my biggest challenges that I'm still working through is making sure that my action, that everything from as simple as my checklist and my to-do list and my schedule, that it is motivated by God and God alone. That it is not motivated for, again, some kind of a status or some kind of an image or some kind of approval from another person here on this earth, but that it is only for the approval of God. And so that's what we're talking about tonight, that we would not seek after action that is validating to anyone else, but that we would only seek for the approval of God and God alone. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to get into one of my favorite Bible stories. So if you would bow your heads with me, let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much for just the opportunity to come together and to take a deep breath. God, to, to step away from the action in our world and come here and participate in action that glorifies you. Jesus, to worship. God, to break bread and to take communion. And Jesus, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would speak through me and that we would leave here tonight not just participating in godly action within these walls, but we would carry that, Lord, into our lives, into our communities, into our families, and into the people that we encounter every day so they can see a glimpse of what it means to follow you. We love you, Heavenly Father. And in the name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open to the book of Esther. The book of Esther. That's where we'll be tonight. We'll be in Esther starting in chapter 4. Now, Esther is a very interesting book. There's some very interesting things about it. And the first time that I ever uh, learned about Esther, I was probably in fifth grade. I was asking my mom to help clarify some of these details. I was in fifth grade, and we were in my parents' basement, and I had some girlfriends from church over, and we probably had pizza and popcorns and M&Ms, and we were having a little movie night, but being the little Bible nerd I was, and the person my mother is, if you know her, we weren't watching just any movie, we were watching a movie about Esther. And I remember watching Esther, my little Enneagram 3 heart was like, wow, what a woman of courage, what a woman of boldness, what a woman of action. And I think what drew me to Esther, this woman who we're about to read um, her story, her life tonight, and, and what made her stand apart from any other celebrity or any other figure that I would watch on the news or on social media or on YouTube, is that again, Esther wasn't driven for the approval or for the affirmation of anyone else, but for God and God alone. And so that's what we're learning about tonight is the story of Esther. Now Esther, when we get to the end, spoiler alert, she takes part in some pretty crazy godly action. But before she takes part in that action, there are three prerequisites, three things that we see Esther partake in to prepare her for that godly action. So if you're taking notes, we're going to go over three things, three prerequisites that just like Esther applied to her circumstance and her situation, we can apply to our lives. And I think in participating in those three things, you too will experience godly action in your world. So prerequisite number one to godly action, prerequisite number one is conviction. Conviction. Now, just to give, I need to set up the book of Esther a little bit before we dive into it. If this is the first time you're learning about Esther, it was written uh, in the Old Testament times. It was written thousands of years ago. And in that time, in Asia, there was a man named King Xerxes. In your Bible, it might say King Ahasuerus. That is his Hebrew name. King Xerxes is what I'm going to call him because it's easier for me to say. Um, and King Xerxes was the king over 127 provinces in Asia. He was a very powerful, a very influential man. And King Xerxes had a wife. Her name was Queen Vashti. 
Now we don't, we don't get to know her story very long because Queen Vashti disobeys this king and this king is not a very good guy. And so in that time, if a queen and if his wife was to disobey him, off with her head. They killed Queen Vashti because she disobeyed her husband. She disobeyed the king publicly and they don't want her to set an example for all the other women in the land. So they killed her. No joke. Thank God in our at least context, we don't live in a time like that. Um, so the queen is gone. Queen Xerxes is single and ready to mingle, and he needs not only a new wife, but a new queen. So what does he do? He opens his palace up for the very first episode of The Bachelor that we ever witnessed in biblical times. Um, and the king, he says, all the eligible women in the land come to my palace, go through months of these fine beauty treatments. I would have signed up just for that. Um, and at the very end, you will meet me, and I will decide if you are worthy of being my queen. And he does this until he finds the woman who is the right fit. And when he found Esther, Sparks flew, Cupid showed up, he knew she was the one. And he says, Esther, you will not only be my wife, but you will be the new queen over all these provinces and over the land. And that woman is Esther. Now Esther wasn't a woman with, with connections. Esther wasn't a woman with status. Esther was a girl who actually grew up as an orphan. Her parents died when she was young. She was raised by her uncle, a man named Uncle Mordecai. She was raised Jewish and they had just come out of exile. So there was a lot of things going against her, but she finds herself as a young woman, not only married to the king, but as queen. And that's where we start in the story of Esther. Now, every good story has a villain and our villain is named Haman. And see Haman, he worked with the king and he was actually jealous of Esther's uncle, Uncle Mordecai, and he wanted Mordecai killed. So Haman, our villain, the, the bad guy in this story, puts together a sneaky plan, a sneaky decree, and has the king essentially sign something that says a year from now, all of the Jews are going to be annihilated. They're all going to be killed. And Uncle Mordecai, Esther's uncle, knows something needs to be done about this, not just for his life, not just for Esther's sake, but for the sake of the entire Jewish nation, for God's people. So what does Uncle Mordecai do? Uncle Mordecai writes to Esther. And he pleads, he says, Esther, you have influence, you have authority, you are married to the king, and you can do something about this. Now, Esther, when she came to the king, and when she became queen, she had kept her Jewish identity a secret. So the king has no clue that he pretty much just rode away his wife's life for a second time. But that's where we find ourselves. Esther, hearing a cry from her uncle for help, hearing a cry for her to do something, hearing a cry for her to take godly action. And we see the first prerequisite in Esther's life show up, conviction. Esther chapter four, verse four, it says, when Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, they were telling her essentially that God's people, that the Jewish nation, that her family and she herself were ordered to be annihilated, the queen was deeply distressed, deeply distressed. The definition of the word conviction, conviction means a strong persuasion or belief. We all know what that can feel like to feel deep distress. Maybe you've got news like Esther's got, that there is deep distress happening in your life. Maybe there's something going on in this world that just grinds your gears and you're like, I gotta do something about it. This has to change. This can't stay the same. That is a feeling of deep persuasion. That is a feeling of conviction. We're all convicted about different things, but we are all convicted about something. Now remember, I'm a personality nerd. And if you know about the Myers-Briggs test, it has, um, it has a scale. And on one end of the scale over here is all the feelers. These are people that are driven by their emotions. They're, they're, they might be highly sensitive. Uh, they're very in tune with the emotions of others. And a lot of decisions they make are based off of their feelings. Now over here, way on the other end, we have our thinkers. 
These are people that are driven more by logic, more by processing. They might be uh, very deeply processive or intellectual. And so in this room, again, we're gonna be vulnerable here tonight. Raise your hand if you would say, I identify more with the feelers. I'm driven more, oh yes, hands up. I am more <laughs> driven by my emotions, by my feelings. All right, you can put your hands down. You ladies are awesome at conviction. You are very good at feeling this deep call, feeling this deep distress, feeling this deep yearning to do something when something is wrong. And you're not afraid to sit in that feeling of conviction. And let me tell you, do that. Don't be afraid of it. Continue to sit with your feelings and with your emotions when you feel a deep, strong persuasion about something that is wrong and needs to be made right. Now, as thinkers, you heard me say us, I'm a thinker. We can struggle with conviction. Because a lot of times our eyes might see something as wrong and instantly we go into, into fix-it mode. We want to fix it. We want to process it. We want to make a spreadsheet for it. We want to make it right. Thank you. I feel like I'm not alone now. <laughs> and so my, this point is the challenge for the thinkers of us in here. Sit with your feelings of conviction. When you see something wrong before jumping to action, pause. This world will tempt you and make you think that you need some, to do something right now, right away. And yes, it's good to be urgent when God calls us to something. But I think before doing, we need to be in God's presence and sit with the conviction he has laid on our hearts. Here's also why it's so important. Because once we get into the mode of doing and of working and trying to solve the problem and fix the thing that breaks our heart, there will always be times where you hit roadblocks. If you've ever tried to do anything in your life that is of God, you'll know that roadblocks come. But from personal experience, it's in those moments of fear, of difficulty, of perseverance, and of persecution that that conviction, that moment where you sat with your feelings and you sat with your deep distress, and you remembered when God started to stir in your stomach a desire to do something about a situation you didn't like, that will be the fuel to keep you going. So sit with your convictions. Thinkers, it's going to be uncomfortable. It makes us feel weird inside. But sit with those convictions. Sit with your feelings because that moment, that fuel, that passion will drive you when things get tough. The first prerequisite for godly action is conviction. The second prerequisite for godly action is prayer. Prayer. Esther, again, after feeling this deep distress for her people, after feeling a deep conviction, what does she do next? She calls upon God. If you skip a couple verses down into Esther chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, it says, and this is Esther's reply. It says, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king. Though it is against the law. Yeah, that's a fun little part of the story too. It was against the law for her to do what her uncle wanted her to do. Though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther, after feeling a deep conviction, after feeling this distress, after sitting with this, this circumstance that broke her heart, she went to God. A fast, that's a moment when, when you deplete your, your humanly, your, I hate this word, but your fleshly desires, whether that be for food or whether that be for something else that can, that can feed our body, we deplete that so we can get more of God. And Esther says, I need more of God if I'm going to take on this situation. If I'm going to take on this conviction, I can't do it alone, but I need the Lord to be with me. And again, so often when we feel a conviction, when we feel a cry to action, we want to jump in right away. But that can be dangerous because so often, so often, 
when we feel God calling us to do something, we might pursue that godly action without taking time to invite God into our plans. For me, prayer is one of the hardest things. It's the hardest spiritual discipline for me. Because again, I'm a thinker, I'm a fix-it girl, I want to jump right into it. But there have been so many times when I caught myself with what started as a God plan, turned into a me plan. Because somewhere between God's idea and my action, I didn't invite God into the equation. And now I got a whole hot mess. And I gotta go back to him and ask to invite him into my circumstance. So let me tell you, ladies, when you feel convicted, when you feel deep distress about something, right off the bat, go to God. Invite him into your feeling of conviction. Invite him into your circumstance. Invite him into whatever big, scary, tough thing he is calling you to do. Because even if you're not strong enough, even if you don't have the ability, the power, the intelligence, the strength, God will give you his. And that will be enough. That will be enough. Our lives are so busy. And so this only comes when we intentionally quiet our lives. We quiet the noise and we tune into God. And that's when the fruit of our actions, what is produced in our lives, isn't just for the here and now, but if God has his hand upon it, and if God has been a part of it, it will multiply for all of eternity. It will go to reach people, not just for here and now, but it will draw people to heaven, and it can make eternal impacts if we first invite God into our conviction. So again, Esther, at the very start, we see her have this conviction, this strong persuasion to save her people. Then number two, we see her pray. We see her call upon not just God, but she invites her community, the entire Jewish nation into it. She invites her family, Uncle Mordecai, into it. She invites her friends, the women she lives with into it, and they fast. They say, God, we want less of us, just like that song we just sang. We want more of you. Then after that prayer, number three, the third prerequisite to godly action is preparation. Preparation. Esther, before going right to the king and just telling him what she wants and what she needs and what she requests, she intentionally, strategically, puts together a prayer. Or, sorry, a plan. She knows if she is going to get the king to listen to her and if she is going to expose this evil villain Haman for what he has done, she needs to intentionally sit down with both the king and Haman and expose it and trust that God has her back. And so we see Esther intentionally preparing for this action that is about to take place. What she does is she first goes to the king and she asks if, if he would be open to the idea of sitting down with her and Haman. We see her ask that in Esther chapter five. So jump down to the next chapter in verse eight. Esther chapter five, verse seven, actually is where we'll start. After the king asks her, what does she want? Esther answers, and she says, my wish and my request is this. I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast. I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. What Esther does is she is preparing a feast, smart woman. She's about to sit down with two guys and call one of them out, so she's going to have food present. And she prepares this feast and asks them to sit down, and she's about to out Haman for all of the cruel, horrible, evil things that he has done. But she doesn't jump into it flippantly. She doesn't jump into it being driven only by her emotions, but she intentionally puts a plan in place. Remember, I was pumping up our feelers before because you ladies are so good at conviction. Thinkers, now it's our turn. Raise your hand if you're a thinker in the room. If you're a thinker, if it were few, but we're mighty. I love it. 
us thinkers in the room, this is our bread and butter, ladies. We've got this. We've got the preparation. We've got the spreadsheet. We've got the plan. We've got the calendar. The preparation part is easy for us. So this is my encouragement. This is my cry to all the feelers in the room. Guys, my husband's a feeler, so I understand them very well. And let me say that those of you who are feelers, if you pair your drive and your passion and this deep conviction that God has gifted you with, with plans, with preparation, with intentionality, there is no stopping what God can do through you. And here is why we serve a God who wants us to prepare is because our God is extremely orderly and extremely intentional. If you read the Bible, if you read God's word, there is no sloppiness to this thing. Like you look at how Adam folds into David, who folds into Christ. Like it is so intentional. It is so thought out how the Old Testament falls into the New Testament. There is no just happen sense about this book. We serve a God that is intentional. We serve a God that is orderly. And so if we are going to follow in his footsteps, we should reflect that action in our lives as well. Just like Esther does. Again, three prerequisites. For godly action, number one, starts with a conviction. Esther was deeply distressed about something that was wrong that she needed to make right. Number two, she prays. Again, this is number two. This is the most important step in my opinion. She invites God into her conviction. Then number three, she prepares. She intentionally makes plans to sit down with the king and sit down with Haman and out Haman for all of the destructive, evil, horrible things that he has done to set her and not just her uncle and not just her family, but God's people up for destruction. And that's where we see Esther's godly action take place. Jump to Esther chapter 7, verse 3. Esther chapter 7, verse 3. We've had a scene change. Esther is now sitting down at this feast, at this dinner table that she has again prepared with King, King Xerxes, the most powerful man in all the provinces in the land at that time. And Haman, this man that has essentially set her and her family up to be killed. And this is the moment that that conviction kicks in, that that prayer kicks in, that that preparation kicks in. And it all leads up to this moment in Esther chapter 7, verse 3. The king asks Esther what she wants. And it says, Queen Esther answers, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be granted for my wish and my people for my request. She's pretty much out herself and saying, Hey, I'm a part of this Jewish nation that you just ordered to be annihilated. Continues in verse 4, it says, For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we have been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent for our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. And then she waits for the king's reply. And King Xerxes, he replies to Esther and he says, who is he and where is he who dared to do this? And Esther says, a foe and an enemy, this wicked Haman. And in that moment, Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Esther had a conviction. Esther prayed a prayer. Esther prepared a plan. And because of that conviction, because of that prayer, and because of that preparation, Esther saved God's people that day. Now, I don't know if anyone up here is going to save a nation. If so, that's awesome. <laughs> but we, in our lives, our worlds, our communities, our families, our schools, our workplaces, we have a world that needs saving. And God is calling you to some kind of godly action in your life. 
I don't know what it is, but you do. And so my question that I am challenging all of us to tonight, it's a, it's a very thought out, a very important question. It is what action, what action is God calling you to in this season of life? What action is God calling you to in the season of life? Two important things I want to point out. Number one, I ask, what action is God calling you to? Not what action the world is calling you to. Not what action your teachers are calling you to. Not what action your boss is calling you to. Not what action maybe your husband's calling you to. Not what action your parents are calling you to. What action is God calling you to? Remember, I wasn't going to pressure you. To, do, to add anything to your schedules and your to-do list tonight. In fact, some of you ladies in here, you might need to take something off because you participated in an action that wasn't driven by the Lord. Others of us in here, maybe there's something stirring in our heart, a deep conviction, a deep distress that we feel we need to do something about. Tonight is the night that you step in to that action that you know God has called you to. Now, the second important part about that statement is I said, what action is God calling you to in this season of life? Our life changes so much. My life looked different drastically than it did five years ago. I'm sure five years from now, my life will look drastically different. And when our life changes, as seasons change, your calling will change. And as I was praying and preparing for this message today, I felt so strongly that I was about to say you needed to hear, but I needed to hear this statement. Ladies, don't compare your godly action to another woman's. Because if you are distracted, wishing from someone else's influence, then you are going to miss out on the influence God has over your life. And if it is God's call, then it is not less than. If it is God call, God's call, it is not unimportant. If it is God's call, it should not be neglected. So do not compare your calling to another woman's, whatever season of life God has you in that net right now. Maybe the season God has you in is you are a student and you are trying to get through the school year. Stay in that season. Maybe the season of life you're in is that you are in your career and you are working hard and you are putting in the hours. Stay in that season. Maybe for you, you're a young mom and you have little ones at home. Stay in your season. Maybe you're in here and you're a grandma and you're praying over your grandkids. Let me say, I was going to say this, my grandma sends me texts every day. Every day scripture and encouragement and it means so much never neglect the season God has you in ladies and don't miss out on your season because you're wishing for someone else's because there are people in your world that need to receive the godly action that God wants to produce through you and you might ask how do I get there and Lee, this sounds great but how do I get there start simple what convicts you what breaks your heart Take that to God, pray about it, ask him to guide you, to lead you, to direct you, and then begin to prepare. Begin to put plans in place. And at no point along the way should you ever be distracted from the calling God has on your life or think of it as unimportant because it is, because it is from the Lord. And it is there for a purpose and for a meaning. I'm gonna pray, then we're gonna end in worship. So would you bow your heads with me?
had no meaning. In the name of Jesus, let that thought be gone. Because Lord, we each have a calling. You have given each woman in here a deep conviction for something in their life that breaks their heart for this season, God, and let them tap into that. Let them not neglect that. Let them not forget that. And Jesus, when they feel that conviction from you, when they sit, sit with that deep distress that stirs in their heart, God, I pray that we would invite you into that conviction. That we would cry out to you and give you control over what you break our heart for. And then from there, Holy Spirit, that you would direct our plans. God, let us not forget the importance of the intentionality that goes in to what then will be godly action. Because the people in our lives, our friends, our children, our mothers, our husbands, our co-workers, our classmates, our students, they need to experience the godly action that you want to produce through us. All it takes is a simple yes to the conviction, to the prayer, to the preparation that you are calling us to. Thank you, Jesus, that you invite us to be a part of your work. God, you didn't have to ask us to be a part of what you want to do, but you did. You chose broken, imperfect people, and you knew that. No one's mistakes in this room are a surprise to you, God. You know what we've been through, and you still choose to say yes to using us to reach people in our lives. So let us say yes back. Let us say yes back to you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
maybe your marriage is just crumbling around you and you're tired. You're so tired. And he's saying, daughter, oh, baby girl, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here for you. And I want to speak into you. I want to breathe life into you. I have not left you. You are not alone. But I am here with you. I'm right here. All you have to do is say my name. All you have to do is call out to me. And I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Oh, baby girl, call on me. He wants that moment with you. That's what we do here. We give you the opportunity to have that sweet moment of surrender where you can literally go, I drop it all. I drop it all. It's not mine to carry anymore. It's not mine to worry about anymore. It is yours. This battle is yours, and I give it to you. I drop it at your feet, and I stand here tonight, and I'm going to sing how brave you make me. Though I feel small, though I feel weak, though I feel intimidated by the world that is just circling and circling and circling around me, I know that in your presence, you make me brave. So I'm going to stand here tonight, and I'm going to lift my hand.
when she was a child, how God captivated her heart to the story of Esther was going to lead her here tonight to share what God had put on her heart as a child. So sometimes it takes a little bit to get somewhere, but don't give up. Do not get discouraged because your victory is coming, just like Miss Tammy said. It is coming as long as you continue to trust and put your eyes on God. It is coming. So don't feel discouraged. Do not lose hope and continue to walk strongly and with your head high and with authority in what your God-given action is in your life right now. Why don't we close our eyes? We're going to end in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, Father, I thank you so much for using Analia the way you did this evening, for something that we all need to hear, Lord, and how good that we are reminded of your love and how much you want to use us, Jesus, that you use us so that we can further the victory of your kingdom, Lord, that we do have a purpose no matter how little or how big it is. As long as we are doing it in your name, Jesus, we can move mountains just like the Bible says, faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. It does not take much. Father, I pray that you renew our hearts and that you strengthen our hearts and our spirits tonight. That we walk out of here feeling stronger than we did when we came in. That we walk out of here knowing that we have the ability and the authority in your name, Jesus, to grab hold of whatever it is that you are leaning and placing on our hearts so that we can take action in a godly way. Not for ourselves, but for you, Jesus, because you, Lord, deserve all the glory and praise. It is not for our kingdom come, but for your kingdom come. And we thank you, Jesus. Will you please bless the women here tonight? Bless their hearts, bless their homes, bless their work, bless whatever it is that they walk into this week. Remind them, Holy Spirit, of this message tonight throughout the week. Whisper it into their ears so that we do not forget that we are reminded of you constantly, Jesus. We thank you so very much. And it is in your mighty name we pray. Amen.